um, entitled What is Church? And last week um, we looked at unity and diversity. Um, and if you haven't had a chance to catch up with that, then you can do online. We'd encourage you to do that. Um, this series is to explore, to wrestle with, to try and work out um, some of the, what, what are we doing here? What is this for? What is this about? What are some of the principles? What are some of the behaviors? What are some of the practices? What are some of the cultures that we're trying to establish here? What's going on? What's God doing? Because one of the things God has been talking to us about for a little while is the way you've done things isn't necessarily going to work anymore because as you step into the new, you need to change a few things. You're going you're gonna to have to find different practices, different rhythms, different behaviors to step into the new. So then what are the principles about what church is? And this morning, we're looking at connected and committed. So why don't we start? I want to start by reading from um, Colossians chapter 3. I know we did Colossians 3 fairly recently, but I want to, um, I want to start by reading this because I think it captures some of what I want to talk about this morning. So we'll, we'll start in verse 1. Um, it's quite a bit of a lengthy passage, but we'll start in verse 1 and um, we'll... Hopefully we'll get the feel for it. So in verse 1 it says, So, if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, ice to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up. Be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. Your old life is dead. Your new life, which is your real life, even though invisible to spectators, is with Christ in God. He is your life. When Christ, your real life, remember, shows up again on this earth, you'll show up too. The real you, the glorious you. Meanwhile, be content with obscurity like Christ. And that means killing off everything connected with that way of death. Sexual promiscuity. Impurity, lust, doing whatever you feel like, whenever you feel like it. And that's a word for today and our generation, isn't it? Do whatever you feel like, whenever you feel like it. And he's saying, don't do this. Grabbing whatever attracts your fancy. This consumer culture um, that we live in. This immediate culture that we live in. And 2,000 years ago, Paul's talking about these same attitudes and going this isn't going to bring life this is not this is the life you're supposed to have moved away from so the sexual promiscuity impurity lust doing whatever you feel like whenever you feel like it grabbing whatever attracts your fancy that's a lie shaped by things and feelings instead of by God it's because of this kind of thing that God is about to explode in anger it wasn't long ago that you were doing all that stuff and not knowing any better, but you know better now. So make sure it's all gone for good. Bad temper, irritability, meanness, profanity, dirty talk. Don't lie to one another. You're done with that old life. It's like a filthy set of ill-fitting clothes you've stripped off and put in the fire. Now you're dressed in a new wardrobe. Every item of your new way of life is custom made by the creator with his label on it. All the old fashions are now obsolete. Words like Jewish and non-Jewish, religious and irreligious, insider and outsider, uncivilized and uncouth, slave and free, they all mean nothing 
from now on, everyone is defined by Christ. Everyone is included in Christ. So, chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline, be even-tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offence. Forgive as quickly and completely as the Master forgave you. And that last line at the bottom there says, and do it all in love. And so, that's quite a passage, isn't it? There's quite a lot going on there. And... Um, and I think some of the themes, two of the themes that come through in that are the connected and the committed. And I want to explain that to you. So a little, um, over the last few months really, um, Rachel and I have been involved in quite a few conversations. Um, going back a few years, Rachel's been involved in um, Centre for Social Justice and helping write um, reports around families and family hubs, which then get picked up by the government. And so then she's been around number 10, doing some advice around family policy. And, um, and because what we do here with families, and not just what we do here with families, but actually what we do here as community, this space that we create, where we're delivering contracts around families or around homelessness or around refugees or whatever else maybe we're doing, but we're also delivering all the voluntary projects that we do and the food bank runs from here and the, um, the job club and um, all sorts of other stuff, pop-ins and all sorts of stuff happens from here. And it's just a place where the community gather for coffee in a coffee shop, to meet, to give blood, to do whatever it is they do. This place is a real hub for the community through the week and what's interesting is that these policies that the government have picked up around family hubs they're kind of going actually we need places in the community where we're not just delivering our services but actually where the community can gather around and we're delivering our services but there's voluntary stuff going on and there's just community stuff going on and actually when the government's talking about this the gateway and YCC is one of the places that they tend to reference in their reports and say this is the sort of model that we want to see happening all over the country which is quite interesting, isn't it? So then we, so then we get start getting invited into these conversations about, well, how do you do this? And then um, we've ended up being in this conversation with somebody else um, who does something similar um, over in Dagenham, and they're going, well, maybe, maybe, do we understand what's so different about what we're doing? Do we understand what's so culturally um, impacting about what we're doing? And even even if we understood it, how replicable is it? How easy is this to enable other people to do? So we start getting in this conversation, and this guy came along who heard about what we were doing. This organisation came along who heard about what we were doing and they're a massive kind of research um, organisation and this guy's a, um, like a um, social scientist and, um, and they do a lot of work for the Gates Foundation, the Bill Gates and Melinda Gates Foundation and they do a lot of work for some of the big, um, not just governments and not just foundations but stuff all around the world and and they heard about this conversation that was going on. They were like, oh, we're really interested in what you're doing. And we're going, okay. Well, we'd like to help. Like, we'd like to come along. We'd like to, we'd like to talk to you about it. So they ended up, and we've been meeting with these guys for a few months now, talking about what we do. They've been down here, had a look at what we do. Um, and then we, we were talking about, why are you so interested in this? And what is it? And they said, all our research over the last 
decade, all our research has pointed to the fact that relationships are the cause and effect of everything. And the burning platform that our society is standing on is disconnection. The burning platform that our society is standing on is disconnection. And I was like, well, that's really interesting because we talk a lot about connection. And he said, well, we can see from what you're doing that actually this is a place of connection. And we think actually what you're doing is something that answers a lot of the questions that we've been coming up with for the last um, little while. So it's been a really fascinating conversation. But as a society, what they're saying is, all the measures they've done, all the research they've done, they're saying, it seems that the root of all these issues is disconnection. Disconnection between people, disconnection within people, disconnection in families, disconnection between the state and the communities, disconnection in all its different forms. This is the burning platform we're standing on. Which is quite interesting, isn't it? Because we see this pattern in Scripture, in the um, story in Genesis, right at the beginning of Genesis, and we see the, the fall. So everything's created perfectly, and God's walking with Adam and Eve in the garden, and everything's beautiful, and everything's perfect, and, and then Adam and Eve decide that they're going to do things a little bit differently. They want to be in control. They want to, it's a bit of a power grab. It's a bit of a, um, yeah, a bit of a wrong step. And, um, and then God's looking for them. He's going, where are you? Because they're hiding. Because they're feeling shame. Right at the end of chapter 2 of Genesis, it says, they were entirely together and they felt no shame. And then right at the beginning of chapter 3, this thing happens. And then they're hiding. They're hiding from God. They're covering themselves because they're feeling shame. They're disconnected from God. They're disconnected within themselves. They're disconnected from each other. And there's this really interesting dynamic that goes on and they're... Adam's blaming Eve straight away. God walks along and goes, Adam, where are you? And Adam comes up with, straight away, the, the first denial ever in history is the greatest denial ever in history. He goes, oh, you know that, you know that woman you made? She did it. And it's like, hmm, so it's God's fault for making her. It's her fault for doing it. But the one person here, of the three of us, there's one person who's clearly not guilty and it's me. That's basically what Adam's saying at this point. That woman you made, I was a mistake. You shouldn't have done it. She did it. You really messed up there, God. So that's straight away there's a disconnection. There's blaming. And then God says, you know, the consequence of what you've done is that now he will rule over you and you will desire him and all this sort of stuff. And actually, which isn't plan B, isn't, oh, well, let's put man in charge. Man's the superior. That's not what's going on there. What's going on there is God saying, the consequence of what you've done now is that your relationships are going to be about power. And that's going to be a problem. Because power disconnects. And so there's this disconnection going on. We have a disconnection from God. We're hiding from God. We have a disconnection within ourselves. That thing within us that's just like, oh, it's just not... Maybe it's the shame that we carry, the fear that takes root in us, the, that sense of there's this stuff inside me that I don't really want to look at. 
but there's something missing. There's something not working here. I'm disconnected somehow. And so I numb, I distract myself. I watch box sets after box sets or I, or I step into addiction of some form or I, I busy myself in something because I need to numb that nagging disconnection, that nagging pain, that nagging this isn't working that's going on inside of me. There's a disconnection from each other. Our relationships break down. We blame, we fight. We try and dominate each other. We try and overpower each other. We try and get one over on each other. Our entire business world is set up on these principles. <laughs> Who's the richest? Who's the fastest? Who's the best? Who's the most powerful? And we disconnect from creation. Our role in creation to be connected with every aspect of creation. To be custodians of this beautiful creation we see all around us. And we see this profound disconnection happening. And so, a little while ago, we made this, um, 11 years ago, we wrote our values as a church, as a leadership team. The team back then, with Sarah and with Malcolm, like we sat together and we wrote our values. What's our DNA? What's our dimensions? And you see them up on the wall around, and one of them is connected. And what... And what's been really interesting for me is when I'm in conversations, like with that guy from, um, those guys from the organization, and they're talking about connection, I kind of go, you see this, we were talking about this. We've been talking about this for years. We believe that we live in a world that is disconnected and broken. We believe Jesus is our only hope of reconnection. And so church should be a place where people can be connected and reconnected. And that's some of what we're trying to do when we make space. Not just here on a Sunday, where we try and make space for people, where we try and be more welcoming, more accessible, where we try and make our language maybe a little bit easier to understand, less Christianese going on, where we try and um, be welcoming and warm and have our doors wide open. We're going to talk a little bit more about all the different ways we're trying to do that as we move forward. But... We believe church should be a place where people can be connected and reconnected, and not just on a Sunday, but through the week. This should be a place where people can come and can gather and can connect and can be reconnected. We're a contact centre for families. We're a, we're a place. Um, and Yeah, so when parents and children are separated, we're a place where those contacts um, ha- those contacts happen. We're a place for um, the homeless to find a place to be welcomed, to be known, to be recognised, to be loved, to be included. We're a place for families. We're a place for the elderly. We're a place for the young. We're a place for every generation. Everyone can join in. Everyone can come here and be blessed. Reconnect. And connect. Connected with God, connected with each other, with communities and with creation. And where we can rediscover who we are and who we could be. Because this isn't just a place where we get to hang out together. But this is a place where we, we discover who we're created to be. We encounter the spirit of God 
in a way that we are restored and we are empowered and we are renewed. We are refreshed. We are called to do things that are way beyond us in our own strength. But with the Spirit of God, we can do great things. And this, should, this is what church should be. And then we say, as a church, we seek to reconnect in every way we can so that the world around us can become reconnected, restored, and renewed in every way it can. This is the kingdom of God. And that's a really big phrase. That's a really big statement. As a church, we seek to reconnect in every way we can so that the world around us can become reconnected, restored and renewed in every way it can. This is the kingdom of God. You see, it's not just about me finding my place of reconnection, but what it says is as I and as we seek reconnection in every way I can, reconnection with God, reconnection within myself, reconnection with other people, reconnection with creation, as I seek that and as we seek that, as we push into that as a church, what happens is it doesn't stop there. That's not the end game. What happens is it flows out from us and the world around us, the community around us, the people around us is renewed and reconnected and restored. And this is how the kingdom of God flows. So they see the spirit flows in us, and it flows through us, and it flows out of us. And it links to this reconnection. Because when this, as the spirit flows in us, that's our restoring our connection with God. You know, the, when the spirit of God comes, this great dispersal of the power of God, this great dispersal across all people, all nations, gathered in that place at that moment, and we have continued to see the Spirit of God pour out across the world in ways of real power and transformation. It's how we reconnect with God. It's how we restore our relationship. It's how we... um, reconnect with our creator and then it throws it flows through us and the spirit of god does this work in us and through us so it it flows through us into every part of our lives this isn't just some spiritual or mental ascent to god but actually it works into our character it works into how we live our lives it works into every aspect of our lives it restores our history and it defines our future the spirit of god does a work in us of restoration and transformation and renewal. And then it flows out from us because when we're filled with the Spirit and the Spirit of God is doing this work in us, then the Spirit of God flows from us and our words carry more authority and our actions become more Christ-like. We, we become the image bearers of God that we were created to be and the world can look at us and hang out with us and be around us and go, oh, that's something of what God is like. And people are blessed. And people are healed. People are transformed. And people encounter God. And families are restored and renewed. And communities are drawn together. And our environment is restored. Because it flows out from us. We are never the end game in this kingdom. We are the conduits. 
And so the spirit flows in us and through us and out of us. And that's how we connect with God. It's how we connect within us. And as we flow out, it's how we connect with others. So this work of restoration and reconnection continues to happen. So then what do we say about being committed? Because I think it's really interesting that this doesn't just happen passively. You don't just go, oh, well, I became a Christian back in 1979. And really, I've not really given it much of a thought since then. God just does it. No. Because that's not discipleship. That's just ticking a box so I go to heaven when I die. Like actually, what we're talking about here is a life of commitment and of discipleship. This isn't something that happens passively. This isn't something that we just benefit from at whatever point in the future. This is something that is about transformation now, but something that we commit to now. This is something we pour ourselves into. And this passage talks about this. So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. Your old life is dead. Your new life, which is your real life, even though invisible to his spectators, is with Christ in God. He is your life. This passage speaks of commitment. There's a few words I want to highlight. If you're serious about living this new resurrection life, this life is about the reconnecting, resurrecting, restoring, renewing now. In us, through us, out from us. This isn't about some sitting on clouds playing harps when we die, life. This is about living life in all its fullness now, which will play out in eternity. But actually, the resurrection life we're living is life now. And it's a life we choose, and it's a life we commit to. So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue. Pursue is not a passive word. It's not even a half-hearted word. It's an all-in word, isn't it? If we're pursuing something, we are not letting go. We are focused. We are after it. We are pursuing it. We are chasing it. We are hunting it down. We are putting our all into it. Pursue is a dynamic, active, all-in word. We need to pursue this life with Christ. We need to pursue what it is God has for us. We need to be focused on what it is that God's calling us to do. Look up. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed in what's in front of you, which is what we're taught to do in our society, which is what we're trained to do in our society. Just live in the moment. Don't just take it. Don't just go, well, this is reality. Look up. Change your perspective. Look up and see what Christ is doing. Look up. Be alert. So easy, like I said before, to numb ourselves, isn't it? To distract ourselves, to just, oh, I'm just going to... Whatever your numbing thing is. And we're really creative, I guess, when it comes to numbing. We've 
can be quite broad and varied. But what do we do to numb ourselves to kind of, oh, just, I'll just switch off from everything. I'll just, you know, this is what I do to get by. Is it our phone screens? Is it our box sets? Is it our, whatever it is, our addictions or whatever it might be. But be alert, people. Be focused. Pursue. Look up. Be alert. To what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. Because you see, we're taught to like, well, this is reality. And then the whole spiritual thing is kind of some sort of other like, oh, kind of. I don't know, fairy tale or wishful thinking or some other kind of not quite real sort of surreal or whatever thing. And actually what Jesus talks about is this kingdom is reality. And God's kingdom is being established on earth and it's transforming our realities. So we learn to see things from his perspective. That means that we see each other from his perspective. Not from my right to be offended by whatever it is you've done or not done. Not from my prejudice around what football team you support or what part of the country you're from or what country you're from or what way you voted in any particular election or whatever other prejudices we might carry about each other. I get to see you from Christ's perspective. I get to see your the image of God in you. I get to see your potential. I get to see your beauty. I get to see your creativity. I get to see all the love that you have to give. I get to see the story that you're called to tell out. So I see things and we see things from his perspective because he is our life. I want to invite the musicians back up. Christ is our life. So let's be people who pursue reconnection in every way we can so that the world around us is restored and renewed. Let's live in this new resurrection life. Let's pursue. Let's look up. Let's be alert. Let's see things from his perspective. Let's connect And let's commit so that the world around us can be restored, renewed, reconnected in every way it can. Because this is the kingdom of God that we're called to participate in. Amen. Now I don't know what your your response is to that and maybe you need a little bit of time but... I wonder if there's a few people who maybe need to or would really benefit from some prayer this morning. It might be that you're feeling disconnected in some way. And when I'm talking about disconnection within ourselves or disconnection with God, disconnection with each other, you might just be going, I don't know, I just feel so disconnected, I don't know what to do about that. And we'd love to pray with you this morning. Or it might be that you've been holding back on the whole commitment thing. That actually the more, this morning isn't an invitation to reconnection for you. This morning is a challenge to commit. Maybe you've become a bit distracted. Maybe you've become a bit half-hearted. Maybe you've become 
you become very good at numbing. And maybe this morning you need to go, actually, God, I'm in. I've got my priorities wrong. I've let other things take precedence over the things that you're doing and you're calling me to. And I need to put that right this morning. So can I invite the ministry team up? Leaders, ministry team. Why don't we stand? Why don't we all stand?